Welcome to the Thrive Theology Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Bethany. We're two Christian women who aim to be grounded in the Word and understand how it applies to our lives. We're passionate about making Christian theology accessible for every woman and equipping others to seek an intimate relationship with Christ. Stay tuned as we dive into today's topic. everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Thrive Theology Podcast. Today is the first of a two-part mini-series on the topic of Gnosticism. So just before we dive into that, we just want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to know any more information, you can check out our website, thrivetheology.com. So today we're going to be talking about Gnosticism, as I mentioned, and specifically we're going to dive into the topic's um, definition of Gnosticism, the origins of Gnosticism, how it got started. Um, We're going to identify the core beliefs of Gnosticism, and then we're going to discuss briefly how it was involved in the early church. And then next week, we're going to dive more into what the New Testament actually says about Gnosticism and how Paul and others addressed this issue and heresy in the early church. And then we're going to discuss Gnosticism um, in the church today and how we can recognize it. That's all coming in part two. So for now, we're going to dive into the definition of Gnosticism. Okay, so Gnosticism. First of all, it is spelt G-N-O-S. T-I-C. That's Gnostic. So it has a G at the beginning that is silent. It can be a little confusing, but it's kind of fun to say. So Gnosticism is blurred line between religion and philosophy. Um, We think of religion in terms of Christianity at the very beginning. Philosophy was very common in the world that Christianity began in. So you can imagine that these two would have come in contact with each other, and some people would have taken concepts from both of these different areas. The term Gnosticism is a modern word. It wasn't called this in the early church. The term Gnosticism was first coined by Henry Moore, and he lived from 1614 to 1687. It comes from the Koine Greek word Gnostikoi, found in ancient sources that referred to religious groups that claimed to have, quote, hidden knowledge. Plato used the word Gnosticos, which is an adjective form of the word Gnosis, referring to intellectual learning rather than practical. So Gnosticism is not a specific, clearly defined religion. Rather, it's like a blend of religion and philosophy, as Bethany said. And then this creates a worldview that contradicts the message of the gospel. So there are certain components of Gnosticism that are very clear and distinct from Christianity. But in the early church and in the times when Gnosticism was really taking root and gaining a lot of popularity, it was very much blended with the ideas of Christianity. Gnosticism was, and still is, heavily philosophical. It's very concerned with questions like, where do we come from, where are we heading, and why are we here? No one person started Gnosticism, um, so it was rather an idea propagated by a lot of different people. Gnosticism has five core beliefs. The first is that knowledge is superior to faith. The second is that spiritual things are good while material things are evil. Third is that Jesus wasn't truly human. Remember that only he was only spirit since flesh is bad. Number four, a lesser God created the world separate of the true God. And number five, the Old Testament was written by a lesser God than the true God. So the origins of Gnosticism started 
Um, Around the same time of the early church, some of the earliest writings from Gnostics we have are from about 150 AD. Um, And just for comparison, we'll talk more about this later, but the last, um, the latest New Testament book written was Revelation, and it's usually dated um, as late as 96 AD. So you have a difference of about 50 years there. Um, But the Gnostic writings definitely came after the New Testament writings, and the Gnostic beliefs really gained popularity and traction in the 2 to 400s AD, or CE. So Gnosticism became really popular among the educated elite class of Greek and Roman cultures because the myths of the ancient religions were going out of style. So you had myths like, okay, the earth was created when this god fought that god and cut that god in half, and so half became the earth and half became the the sky. Um, And these myths were really um, more cultural, but not super intellectual. So these myths were largely believed by the lower classes and not the philosophically sophisticated. Gnosticism talked of a hidden knowledge that was deeper than the ancient religions of Greece and Rome, and this resulted in philosophers seeking after this quote-unquote knowledge. So when Christianity was born a short time before, it didn't take long for people to mix the redemptive work of Christ with the idea of hidden knowledge, resulting in a quote-unquote gospel that was full of empty words. Gnosticism came from outside the church and worked its way in, corrupting the teachings of the apostles. You can imagine it might be difficult to correct um, incorrect teaching if all you have to communicate that somebody came was a letter, and letters back then were difficult. Um, So you'd have to be careful that the people you were teaching actually knew the right so that they could recognize the wrong. Gnosticism uses Jesus to be saved from sin, but it focuses on how the universe is to be restored and what the origin of evil is. In doing this, Gnosticism seeks for salvation in the knowledge or answers to these questions, rather than exclusively in the sacrifice of Christ. So the holiness and spiritual higherness, quote, is achieved by attaining secret knowledge, rather than allowing Christ to sanctify and relying on him for that salvation. Yeah, and I just want to clarify, like we are going to get into this in a little bit, but so Gnostics don't like outright deny Jesus existed and they don't deny that he died on the cross, but they deny some of the things that make his work on the cross so powerful for believers. Um, So different things that like, yeah, we're going to explain it later. Um, But when we say that they use Jesus to be saved from sin, it was like they, they took some parts of Jesus, but they didn't use him to be saved from sin in the like biblical way in that, he came fully God and fully man and died on the cross for our sins. Like they don't fully affirm that. So Gnostics actually claimed the earlier Gnostics would claim to have secret, a secret connection with Jesus or his disciples and, or his disciples. And they would say that they heard secret knowledge from people who were close to him. Um, and they would claim that they had secret writings from Jesus or by his disciples, etc. And then they claimed that these things were the source to the secret knowledge that one must have to be saved. And just as a side note, a lot of brotherhood cults have taken up this practice of guarding secret knowledge in order to be um, included. So this was very much, it very much took the focus off of like trusting in Christ and his work on the cross and putting it rather on the person and saying, you have to like attain and find the secret knowledge and yeah. 
So Gnostics believed that inside every person, there's a divine spark and that this could be set free by obtaining the secret knowledge. Um, And this really, to fully understand this, you have to understand that Gnostics, again, believed that everything physical was bad. So physical bodies are bad, but your spirit is good. So this divine spark is the good thing and it needs to be like freed from your sinful physical body. And by doing that, you obtain the secret, you obtain the secret knowledge, um, and, and achieve that. And just as a side note, we do briefly touch on this in our episode on, um, Justin Martyr and Irenaeus, which is episode 64. Um, Irenaeus wrote against this and other heresies as well. The next note here is Alexandrian philosophy. So Philo tried to analyze Hebrew scriptures through the lens of Plato's philosophy, and that resulted in the view that God is good and that the world is bad because the world is material. So this is how Alexandrian philosophy came about. Another subset is Zoroastrianism, which is more from Persian origins. It talks about a good God and a bad God that are equal in power. The bad God led away the first man and woman from their allegiance to the good God. Now, of course, since the term Gnosticism wasn't coined until the 1600s, Gnostics did not call themselves by this term. Rather, they believed that they were a higher form of Christianity or Christian teachings. Um, It's interesting to see some of the different cultural and historical backgrounds impacting these different views of Gnosticism and, and using those to come out with, you know, different forms of it. All right, so now we're going to talk about some of the core beliefs of Gnosticism. So we already touched on some of these briefly, but we're going to just go into a little bit more depth and explain some of them. So knowledge is superior to faith. The idea that um, it's not your faith that saves you in Christ, but rather attaining this hidden or secret knowledge. Um, Also, the spirit is good and matter is bad. So in following this line of thought, Gnostics did not call creation good. And this is why um, they were seeking to be free from creations, free from their physical bodies. And they rather put the emphasis on the goodness of the spirit, which of course we know as believers, not even our spirit is good aside from Christ. They also talk about how the creation, um, because it's not good, which is contrary to Hebrew Um, scriptures and what Genesis says, the world was created by a lesser God. And so this lesser God is not good like the supreme deity is. And so therefore the world and the way that it's created is actually not in alignment with the supreme deity um, because it was this lesser God that created it rather than the Christian idea that says um, God created the world good and humans corrupted it. The next core belief um, talks about the denial of the humanity of Christ. So this is where, again, we look at um, the physical world. It would say that the suffering, Jesus' suffering on the cross is unreal. Because remember, he's not a physical body. He's a spirit, either a spirit in a physical body, or he is just a spirit being. So his suffering on the cross is unreal or not felt per se. 
Um, the heretical belief that Christ only appeared to have a physical body is called docetism. Um, there were Gnostics who believed that Jesus had a real physical body. Um, they got around this problem by saying that the spirit of, of the Messiah or the spirit of Christ entered into the physical body of Jesus and then later withdrew. They only then deal with the crucifixion by saying either the spirit of the Messiah left at the time of crucifixion or someone other than Jesus was actually killed. Um, now, this is interesting because if you're familiar at all with Islam um, and Muhammad um, and the writings in the Quran, this is actually similar to what they would say about Jesus. They would say that Simon of Cyrene instead um, was mixed up and he was the one who was actually put on the cross and killed or that Jesus was taken before he was, um, before he died on the cross. And we'll talk later with other Gnostic gospels about how that influenced him a lot and Muhammad quite a bit in the writing of the Quran. But it's interesting to see those ideas here in Gnosticism. So another belief that we did mention already, but I just wanted to touch on again, is that the Old Testament scriptures were written by a lesser God than the true God. And this is something that the progressive Christian church teaches. And we're going to talk about this, I think, in our next episode. But I just wanted to kind of um, highlight that briefly. um, And then you can listen to more uh, next week when we release that episode as well. So Gnosticism teaches that there is a hierarchy of beings who have separated from their bodies in varying degrees. And by doing this, they attain higher levels of divinity. So you can essentially be more divine by separating yourself more and more from the physical world. And then these different like semi-divine beings are on different lists based on how they are related to each other. So Gnostics would say that God created other beings, um, or the Greek for this is, they're, they're called now from, based on a Greek word, um, demiurge, uh, who created the world, as I mentioned earlier, this is, would be the lesser God. And then there's also other beings that are, which are humans, etc. So the farther away in the creation order you were, the more physical and less spiritual you were. So when you're a human, you're like the least spiritual being because you're not separated at all from the physical world. And then that's something that you work to attain throughout your lifetime. And then these beings, as I mentioned, were categorized and listed based on their divine status and relationship to the other deities. So Demiurge, this is a subordinate God who arranges and orders the physical world, which is lesser than the spiritual world, according to Gnosticism. Um, Now, this word had originally been used in ancient Greece to mean artisan or craftsman. Um, and Plato adapted the word to use in philosophy in terms of the Gnostic worldview. In Gnosticism, this lesser god is also the origin of evil in the world, since, of course, the physical world is evil. Okay, Gnosticism and the early church. So Gnosticism was definitely an issue in the early church. Paul addressed it in multiple letters, and John did as well, and we'll get into the details of these teachings in our next in our next episode. Gnosticism denies the bodily incarnation, death, and resurrection of Christ. In fact, some early Gnostics actually wrote that Jesus asked Judas to help him escape his body, since he wanted to achieve, apparently, the spiritual awareness. So therefore, Judas was actually doing a good thing in betraying him and helping him to be killed. There are also two extremes in Gnosticism in terms of Christianity and Gnosticism together. 
The first is denying bodily pleasures completely, like not allowing yourself to enjoy anything, You even beating your body into submission because, of course, the body in the physical world is evil. So this is complete withdrawal as much as possible um, from the physical world. The second is giving full reign to physical passions because the body would be destroyed anyway and only the spirit world remained. So th- this means it didn't matter what you did with your physical body. You could sin with it, as we would call that um, in terms of biblical Christianity. Um, you could do whatever you wanted, but because the body was going to be destroyed, it didn't matter. Only the spirit world or what you did in your spirit mattered. Now, of course, the Bible teaches that God made creation and it was good. He said it a a couple times there in Genesis 1. God ordered it, he rules over it, and he invites us to be co-rulers with him over it. Now, this is against the Gnostic ideals because they don't believe the world can be good, and the fact that God would have made the world for humans to live and thrive in is against their teaching. So that wraps up um, part one of our Gnosticism two-parter. We hope that you have learned something new. It is a little confusing to try and work all this out in your mind, but we hope to help you next week with some more information. Um, One of the things you can think about in the meantime is um, maybe where have you seen some of these different teachings, maybe in the new age or um, in even just secular, like self-help type um, people. Like It could be interesting for you to try and pinpoint where you see Gnosticism in the world today. So I'd like to recommend a resource for you for this half of the series. Um, I was listening to the Doxology podcast. They have an episode on Gnosticism that was released on October 27th, 2020. Um, And that was interesting to me, gave a little bit more background, and you might also find it interesting while you're waiting for next week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you're enjoying this and it's some sticking with you as you're listening and you're learning. If you have any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on our website at thrivetheology.com or hit us up on Instagram at thrivetheology. Have a great week.